Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast, STFU. We're not done talking yet. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Sharla. How you doing? Awesome. I know. We've been apart for, gosh, the whole month of February. Yes, I was destitute without you. I know. Ditto. I was in Palm Springs. It was pretty nice. I was here and it was pretty nice. No, I wasn't. I was away a bunch, but I'm not going to go into that. We have with us today, Rachel Cabrera, and I'll, you know her way better than I do. So I tell us a little bit. Rachel Cabrera. I have known Rachel Cabrera for at least 10 or 15 years. Rachel and I met at the Women's Health Center in Walnut Creek, California, where she was a nurse in charge of something that I got to do. Pelvic Health, I think is what it was called. And then she went on to do a whole bunch of other things. So she's our guest today, and she is in charge of a practice called Innovative Wellness. Hello, Rachel. Hello, ladies. Thank you, Sharla. Yes, I think it's been, I mean, I think it's been almost 10, over 10 years for sure. You definitely have almost had all my kids with me. <laughs> That's true. I do remember. Uh-huh. I remember number three, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she was our little surprise. But yes, it's been an honor, um, you know, working in my career. I have been in my practice um, for over 20 years this year, which is really amazing because I really don't know where the time has gone. I used to be the youngest nurse and now I'm not anymore. <laughs> um, and you know, I started out my career in OBGYN in midwifery and I delivered lots and lots of babies and, you know, going through that process um, and also, you know, through the process myself, um, you just really learned that, you know, um, it, it, women's health doesn't stop there. And the more and more I was taking care of women, I was learning through the experience of taking care of women that there are so many more step, stepping stones in our life. And I then started to specialize in urogynecology uh, in pelvic and sexual medicine. And I started with urogynecology, urinary incontinence, urinary tract infections, something's falling out down there. It hurts to have sex. Um, hormones, I think something left the building. I don't know what's going on, you know, and just really learning about how do we take care of these women and how do we treat things? And I, what I found out was, you know, I've always practiced, um, even before there was words to it, you know, root cause. How do we get to the bottom of what's going on? And, um, you know, I started then um, diving into integrative medicine. And, you know, whenever you're talking to a woman about painful intercourse or bladder infections or urinary incontinence or, you know, it all kind of drives down to, okay, well, how's intimacy and how's you know, how's intercourse and how's your relationships? And, you know, then I started really getting the gist of, um, okay, this is, this is the next step. And I became a certified sexual health clinician and really learned that, you know, we really need to embrace all of these pieces to really give optimal care um, for women. And I feel like, you know, we're really good in our healthcare system about keeping people alive, but we're not great about keeping people healthy. And what does that quality of life look like? What do you look like in 10 years? So I really um, have, you know, um, engaged in a multidisciplinary approach. And I started Innovative Wellness about three years ago. And I 
wanted to be able to provide a very unique level of care for patients that when you walk in my door, it, the, the moment you walk into my door, we're building a relationship. I want you to feel comfortable. I want you to feel engaged. And really, this is a place where you can tell your story and a place where we really can talk about what options. You know, um, about three years ago, I take care of a lot of breast cancer patients in my practice as well. And I, um, you know, was getting really tired of not being able to recommend really great products um, for vulvar and vaginal um, care. And I, um, three years ago in the making, it just came out this year, um, I developed an um, a intimate skin and vaginal moisturizing lubricant um, for women called Pure Vitality. So, and we could talk more about that as well, but just through the stages of my career and being inspired by my patients and learning from my patients is how I have continued to grow in my career. And was really, I'm really, I'm really excited um, to have my practice so I can really take care of patients the way I envision um, their well-being to be and being able to give them a lot of options and resources to really get them back on track. So Rachel, tell me a little about Innovative Wellness and what kind of services you offer, what kind of products you have, who else is on your team? Yes, so Innovative Wellness is a multidisciplinary approach with um, a lot of experts that I have collaborated with because one person can't do it all, obviously, and I have in, I have worked really hard on with partnering with um, colleagues who are experts. So I know if the patient, you know, is going to leave to go to, you know, for another level of care, that they're going to experts. So they're going to get that quality of care. But Innovative Wellness offers um, urogynecology, pelvic, and sexual medicine for men and women, and um, I have medications, non-medications. We do the procedures that we do here. We do um, a procedure for overactive bladder called percutaneous tibial nerve stimulation. We do vaginal and penile PRP, which is plasma-rich protein, which is something that is more in the integrative world. Um, a little, you know, not so in the Western medicine, it's out, outside of the box a little bit, but it really does help restore um, sexual function, lubrication, overall health um, to vaginal tissue and um, for men for penile health. Um, we have nutrition, we have um, weight loss management, we have pelvic floor physical therapy, um, and we have, you know, um, a lot of other things that we do for hormone. Um, I'm partnered with Body Logic MD, and I'm partnered with Pelvic Health Rehab um, to provide um, those level of services. I'm also a division of Bass Medical um, that I'm, uh, for insurance contracts, and um, Dr. Brian Hopkins is my medical director, and Dr. Bob Porzio is my other medical director um, for my practice as well. So we offer lots and lots of resources. Well, listen, today we were hoping you would talk to us about, we'll call it menopause, sex after menopause, uh, sex after 50, sort of sexual health 
and you know, mainly for women. But of course, if there's anything you need to share about men, we are so open to that as well. Well, I love it. You know, I've been taking care of men for, or excuse me, I've been taking care of women for so many years. And it came to a point where I'd get the women all revved up and they'd be like, so what about him? <laughs> Can you do anything for my partner? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, over the years, um, working with some of my colleagues, um, I, you know, then trained in men's sexual health. And I gotta tell you, I absolutely love taking care of our men because they really have issues just like women. You know, it comes down to quality of life. Um, and it really goes together really well. I um, think I left out, I do sexual health coaching and counseling. So I coach count, uh, couples and partners and, um, you know, and it's also part of your visit as well, because, you know, you can't help talk about, you know, sexual health and menopause, you know, um, is something that is, you know, I feel like from the minute you're born and I like to push it to our forties, estrogen is raging. You're having spikes and peaks and, you know, you're ovulating and menstruating and babies and whatever else comes through your way during that time. And once we hit about 40, okay, some literature says 35, some says 40. I like to push 40s because women feel better when we say that. Um, <laughs> you know, estrogen slowly starts to decrease to the point where, uh-oh, no period for a year. Welcome to the next adventure of your life. <laughs> and, you know, what happens with hormones just in general is, you know, during the, the time when we're cycling and things are really in abundance amounts, um, estrogen and progesterone are dancing, you know, beautifully together. Once estrogen starts to decrease, actually progesterone leaves the building and says, you know, I'm out. I don't want to dance anymore. And this is when women start to definitely feel changes. And once women go into menopause, they are now more at risk for cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, and dementia. So, you know, and that's not including all of the, the symptoms that we feel when we're in menopause. Estrogen in itself has about 400 jobs in the body. And out of those 400 jobs, which we probably can all name, 400 things we feel like estrogen does to in our body between just our hair our skin our eyes our ears my brain my you know my midriff um you know one of its most important jobs is to also keep the vagina healthy keep the oxygenation keep the blood flow keep the lubrication keep the overall health of the vagina and you know once estrogen isn't there in those quantities anymore, you know, vaginal dryness, you know, the, um, it starts to get thin, stiff, it hurts, it's dry, it may be irritated. And oftentimes women will come in saying, my gosh, Rach, I'm having urinary urgency and or frequency and or leaking and or bladder infections and or sex hurts. And it's all because of lack of estrogen in the vagina. And, you know, I wanted to kind of give that little bit of a foundation because as we're going through menopause, a lot of these symptoms start to kind of, you know, brew and it's really different. Menopause is, you know, hormone response is, a un is, is as unique to each person as their own fingerprints, you know, um, and everyone kind of has symptoms sometimes at different ages, different intervals. There are women that go through menopause and they won't have one problem, right? We've all heard of women saying, oh, I haven't had, it was a breeze for me. 
but I also will have women that, you know, perimenopausal, they were already starting to feel um, these symptoms. And a big part of hormone changes just in the realm, you know, and we haven't even touched on progesterone and testosterone and DHEA and all these other components. But, you know, one of the biggest things is, oh my gosh, Rach, my libido has left the building. <laughs> it's not there anymore. I feel numb. I don't have desire. I don't know what's going on. And long story short is, you know, it's not necessarily that the libido has left a building. It's sometimes we have left the building because when we're not feeling great health-wise, vaginally, you know, um, it's difficult to engage sometimes because even if you want to be sexually active and you're like, take me now, unconsciously, if you know that might be dry, it might hurt, it might be uncomfortable, our body kind of turns off a little bit. Right. So I, have a, I have a question. I um. I think some, I don't have any of those things like the dryness or it's going to hurt. And I just didn't want to have sex starting in my late thirties, which is just sad. So what are, what are the ages that most people contact you that they're already saying their libido is so bad or sorry, women, what, what women. age? You know, Danielle, it is, I'm seeing more and more women at the age of between 35 and 40. And, you know, um, it's one of those things where I think the statistic, and I think it's more because it's not talked about, 45% of women have sexual dysfunction, meaning, and that could be a whole wide range of things. Only 15% actually will talk to their provider about it. So it's really sad because it's something that women don't feel comfortable talking about. And you can understand because it's, a, it's an intimate um, place in your body and to talk about, oh, I'm, you know, not feeling desire or even the conversation, you know, of women coming in and saying, gosh, you know, I'm just, I, it, you know, I have a lot of tears here in this office because it's the, oh my gosh, I just am feeling like I'm losing that connection with my, my partner because I don't have desire. So I am seeing women younger and younger and even perimenopause or even before menopause, it's stress. It's, you know, um, our schedules are crazy. We're not sleeping well. Maybe we're not eating well. Maybe we're not exercising or you right. know, we're little not kids. Little kids are like a huge damper. You're like, I oh touch little kids all day. I don't want to touch him too. <laughs> yes. And you know, for, for women, for mommies too, you know, it's the I've been running around all day, I'm doing dishes, I'm getting the house cleaned. And then it's, you know, they say women are like crock pots and men are like microwaves, you know? And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, you know, we just need to be able to turn off a little bit, relax a little bit, and kind of, then that helps us rev up. Sometimes it's, oh my gosh, I still have this crying baby, or I hear them walking around, or I, I'm very tired. You know, how many of us are like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember falling asleep on my pillow. <laughs> and my husband's tapping on my shoulder, and I'm like, do we have intermission? <laughs> you know, or you're, you know, the other thing I hear a lot of moms say, and this is something that helps, that does affect their intimacy too sometimes is, oh my gosh, you know, they're right outside the door, you know, maybe they can hear us or, you know, whatever. So there's lots of things that kind of evolve through um, our life process, you know, of kind of getting to that point. And then, you know, our hormones, as they do start to change and kind of start decreasing a little bit, yes, you know, more and more start feeling some of that 
desire, that libido. And you don't necessarily have to feel vaginal changes. It could just be the way you feel, you know, physically. Right. right. That's what I wanted to clarify. I think also for a lot of women, you know, at the end of the day, you feel like, oh gosh, sex. It's another thing on my to-do list. And I'm just out of steam. I've been so busy all day. You're just tired. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the I mean, idea of scheduling it seems really um, not un, uh, yeah, not just, spontaneous. Exactly. You know, like I, I have been told, well, just schedule it in your own head. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like think to yourself, okay, tonight's the night. You don't even have to fill in your husband. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that just, I don't know, that isn't really the same. And I guess maybe part of the problem is when you're in your 20s and 30s and hormones are raging, you kind of get used to like, that is the way sex is. Mm -hmm. and then you have to maybe adjust your expectations or sort of rethink how you get in the mood, you mm -hmm. know, how you even go about having sex once your estrogen levels have dropped. You know, absolutely. And, you know, I also tell women, you know, especially when going, going through menopause, it's sometimes we have to relearn our body again. You know, again, like you said, Charla, you know, when we're in our 20s, it's like, yeah, let's jump in the car. We can do it. You know, we have the, that instant turn on, right? And that, rev, that revving up is really quick for us. And then as we go through our life cycle, yes, we get more on our plate. We have more things to do. Our hormones are changing. And even women who have really healthy relationships and they're not really being impacted still sometimes even like that, like lack of desire, or it takes me a long time to rev up. And sometimes what we need just to come to re reality with is that, yes, sometimes it does take us longer to rev up, you know? And so what does that mean? So sometimes we need to change and learn, relearn our body again. And that's kind of a natural thing that we need to do. Um, you know, an intercourse, sex, intimacy, you know, um, is an evolving piece in our life. It's, it's part of who we are and it's a quality of life. You know, um, something really inspiring was, um, I had a 98 year old that came in to see me and she said, Rachel, I met somebody. And I said, you're amazing. She goes, I want to be sexually active. She goes, I'm not sure if there's cobwebs down there or not, but I want to get revved up and I want to go. And I go, 98, I hope to be like that. Like, you know, the bottom line is it's not over till it's over, you know? And so it is a quality of life and it is part of being a human being. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's when I also on that topic of being 98, a woman told me when she was 60, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. She said, Having sex at her age is like putting a marshmallow into a keyhole. I almost <laughs> fell down. I was like, really? I go, is it really like that? So, Yeah, you know, it's fun. It's really fun to hear people's walks of life and their stories. And I love hearing, you know, people's relationships and their journey through their relationships. Like um, just recently had a couple that came in here and they've been married for 67 years and I said, how do you keep it going for so long? What is your secret? And he goes, I went deaf. <laughs> went deaf. And she, you know, was just smiling across the room and just laughing. And I'm like, it's the humor. It's the love. It's the, 
is you still have that spark in their eye. And I love, I love that. And I really feel like sometimes we have to remind ourselves that, you know, relationships are hard sometimes. And we're really impacted with so many different things on our plate sometimes that sometimes we need to refocus too on that relationship and intimacy. And like Charlie, like you were saying, like, oh, sometimes, you know, we say we have to time, time it. And, you know, yeah, that does sometimes that works for certain situations, but in the realm of it, you want spontaneity. You want to be able to just have the opportunity of just diving in and without thinking about it, you know, and I think that's really important. And that kind of helps keep that spark and that desire and that libido going because it's, it's that excitement, you know? Well, you know, theoretically, once you hit retirement and you don't have to go to work anymore and you don't have kids at home, I mean, I've heard about places in Florida, like the Villages, which is a really old retirement place. And I mean, people are shacking up, they're getting high, they're having sex. And then there's a really high rate of STDs in that county mm-hmm. because all these old people have the time and space to go ahead and go crazy and have lots of sex. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, theoretically, that could be a great time to get crazy again. It's fun because I do a lot of sex education and I do a lot of STD education with um, women over 50. And it's it's really fun because like, especially my 70 year old or 80 year old, and I'll say, okay, be careful. You might, you know, you got to be careful for STDs. And they'll look at me like, oh honey, that's not happening down there. (laughs) And it's like, it could very well happen. You know, Um, HPV and herpes are, so easily contracted that you know um it's definitely something you don't even have to have actual full penetration to con you know to get those stds that's true Mm -hmm. yeah and you know also talking about you know menopause and sex after you know it's hard to say what you know but you know poor relationship intimacy problems they're linked to increased disease cancer poor overall health and other other things you know so intimacy in itself especially in our geriatric ages are so important you know so just um just had a question also about like what do you besides uh, menopausal women coming in and, and you, you know, maybe you recommend the creams that you're talking about, the, the vulvar and vaginal creams. And um, what else do you encourage couples to do? You know, um, everyone is a little different in what they are experiencing. If I'm seeing couples, we're talking more about as a couple engaging in intercourse and intimacy and relationship and we're talking about maybe what barriers and things so there's a lot of communication and a lot of discussion we have about that but if it's specifically a woman who's coming in and this is her first time meeting with me you know we talk a lot about you know um, I get a really detailed medical history what kind of diseases are you dealing with what kind of um, you know um, infections maybe you've had, you know, what is your stress level? What is your exercise pattern? What is your diet look like? We look at a lot of different things and, you know, doing an exam and seeing, you know, what does the vagina look like? Is it dry? Is it irritated? Um, you know, so starting usually with, um, addressing the root cause of, 
all of the above, but yeah, also perfect. vaginal and pelvic health is such a big piece. So starting, you know, a lot of women just think that, you know, the myth is uh, your vagina is the whole package down there. You know, the vagina is the organ that's located inside the pelvis. You have the vulvar tissue, you have labias, you have all of that area outside of the vagina is estrogen supported and is also the vulvar area, which is probably the most sensitive skin of your body. And just as we put, you know, I do a lot of education about how do we take care of our intimate tissue. And just as if we were to put moisturizer on our face, our vulvar area needs, needs um, care as well. And, you know, you kind of think about what it's exposed to, underwear, toilet paper, all the neighbors live really close down there, you know, and it's constantly being exposed yeah. to stuff, right? And so, you know, the first thing I love to start with is vaginal estrogen. You know, um, vaginal estrogen, um, it's considered transdermal. Um, back in January of 2019, some brilliant uh, researchers went back and reevaluated all of the estrogen um, studies that have been going on for the last, you know, since the 2002 um, study that came out. And what we found out was transdermal estrogen, whether you're putting it on your skin, like a, you know, um, a therapy outside, you know, and you rub on your skin, or you're putting it in the vagina, is um, no risk for DVT or blood clots, and quote unquote, is not the cause of breast cancer. And I educate women a lot about vaginal estrogen to begin with, because it has so many benefits. I can tell you that probably over 60% of my breast cancer patients that I take care of already are using a vaginal estrogen. So it is very safe and very healthy. Basically what the estrogen is doing, and we use such dot of doses, near to nothing is systemically absorbed. Um, it's getting the oxygenation, the blood flow, the lubrication. It's helping with the overall health of the vagina. It also helps with the cleansing cycle, you know, and that's a big piece. And oftentimes when women are having dry tissue, that's when they're more at risk for bladder or urinary symptoms and or urinary tract infections. Um, not all, you know, and, and that's not talking about, you know, pain with intercourse yet. So really starting out with the vulvar area, which um, they could put a vaginal estrogen cream on the outside and in the inside. Um, in addition to that, I talk about vulvar care on a daily basis. And um, the product that I've actually formulated um, <clears throat> has a peptide complex that helps assist, protect, and support the vaginal ecosystem by by providing the amino acids and proteins that help nurture the tissue. So it helps protect, it helps soothe, it helps nurture. It's, a, it's like a good moisturizer for your face except for your vulvar area. And you can use it not only as a vulvar moisturizer, but you can also use it before, during, and after intercourse, and also as a vaginal lubricant as well. So those two pieces to start off with is really, really important. In addition to that, um, there are um, uh, there's, um, I don't know if women have heard of the O-Shot, which is PRP, which is something that is um, plasma-rich protein. The orthopedic world has been using it for years. Injury, um, you know, they've been putting it in um, areas before 
surgery, after surgery, or any time that there's been an injury, there's pain, you can use PRP. And what we found out in the sexual health world is that injecting um, PRP into the vagina actually helps um, replenish sexual function, lubrication, it helps plump the tissue. What PRP is, is um, we take blood from you and we spin it down to the plasma portion. And in that plasma portion, there's growth factors. And those growth factors are what helps you grow from a little girl to a woman. They're the amino acids and proteins that actually are part of the team of your body that, that help heal whenever there's injury, inflammation, infection, injury. And they're the, um, the team that helps restore, heal, plump, and fix the injured area. Like if you've ever had a scab, like you've cut yourself and have a scab and the scab falls off, that was growth factors working. So now what we have found, like I was saying, PRP is something that we can now put in the um, clitoral body and into the, the vagina, into the vault of the vagina and infiltrate it to really have some um, good response. And that's, you know, um, something women have, um, it's, a, it's an option and it's something that helps, you know, optimize outcome. I tell women that there's not necessarily a magic wand and sometimes there's a multidisciplinary approach because we're looking at all the pieces. We're looking at vaginal mucosa, we're looking at uh, nerve function, we're looking at muscle function. So pelvic floor physical therapy in addition is also something I highly recommend as first line for a lot of women because it really helps with the muscle function um, to get back in, in gear. Our pelvic floor muscles, you know, we think of it as a Kegel muscle, but they actually wrap around the opening of the urethra, opening of the vagina. They're the bowl of muscles in the vagina around rectum and tailbone. And they're responsible for two main events. One is support. They're there to support bladder, bowel, lower abdomen, lower back, your hips, your pelvis. But they're also responsible for helping with voiding function. So Danielle and Charla, you know, I've, I've started treating women with Cialis. And before we go into discussing that, I want to tell you the story about Viagra, because it was the original, you know, erectile dysfunction drug out there. So Viagra originally was in a cardiovascular study. And as they were going through the study, it wasn't meeting the needs, what they were looking for. So they stopped the study. Well, they started getting phone calls from guys that said, oh my God, it's giving me erections. They go, oh my God, forget the cardiovascular study. We're gonna make it, you know, the blue pill. So here we go. So for years, we've been treating men with Viagra or Cialis, they're the same family. Viagra is the, you know, um, short acting, Cialis is the longer acting. And what it does is it helps oxygenation, blood flow, it helps with engorgement, it helps with, you know, um, strength of orgasm, things like that. In the last few years, what we've been finding is that Cialis at very low doses for women actually help with clitoral engorgement, lubrication, it helps get oxygenation and blood flow to the tissue. And I've started treating women with Cialis and it's working really well. It's turning on libido, it's helping increase desire, it's strengthening orgasms, it's you know really helping with sexual function. So if that's, that's one more tool in my toolbox that I've added that has been really, really helpful um, in addition to other things um, to help women with sexual function.
I had never heard of that. So thank you for telling. That's such great information that women take Cialis. Love it. All right. So Rachel, I just want to um, take a little break. Uh, so we're going to pause this. But when we come back, I want to ask you about having drinks and dinner and watching porn and good vibrations. Sounds right. great. Sounds great. I know. You know all about it. <laughs> Okay, and we're back with Rachel Cabrera and I, Danielle, have questions uh, and a story to tell you. When I was about 28 or 29, I was still at college at San Francisco State University and I had to take a course that fit into this something or other, like a mosaic of classes and it was called, sec it was called Sexual Deviance in Psychology. Oh sexual deviance in sexual behavior something like that and it was held in the giant lecture hall every week this professor brought in someone else who did wacky things one of them told us all about how much he loved um bestiality one of them told us how they beat the shit out of each other the people who do um you know s m so that was cool and then this woman came on and says i have a shot She's like, I used to be a lawyer, but that just brought misery to everyone. Now I help people enhance their sex life by coming into my shop and buying tomatoes and lubricant. And I swear, a half an hour of her talk was about lubricant. Okay. And all the, and I was like way older than everybody else. And they were like, shit, we don't need that yet. But they probably put it <laughs> into their little noggin to remember for the future. Um, and then and then with that, you know, this discussion of pornography came up. So that's been a little bit of a thing for me is that if I could just relax and find a way to get myself turned on, that that's been really helpful. Um, but also, you know, I think I'm getting to the stage that I need to also explore a lot of the avenues that you're talking about. But gosh, you know, it's, it, gets, it gets tougher. It's not like you met some person, a new person, and you're like, wow, you are so, you know, this, you get turned on. And it's like, and I'm sure it's the same way for my, you know, he's like, really, it's you again, right? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's a different, it's just a different time in our lives. It, now, was she from Good Vibrations? No, she had her, a different sex shop, like on, you know, I forgot, down in the hip part of town. Uh -huh. And, um, but no, but Good Vibrations, we had one in San Francisco, one in Berkeley, mm -hmm. now there's one on Lakeshore, really yeah. great stuff, yeah. You know, and the great thing what I like about Good Vibrations is they they um, they really are there to also educate you. Exactly. For what might be appropriate for you, because you know, if you walked into Good Vibrations, you walk in and you're like overwhelmed on the sizes of things and what they do and the spinny rotating things that can walk and you know, <laughs> like which one do I try? You know, and I really think that you know, and I have this talk. Often with women, I have this um, uh, box in my office. It's called the toolbox. And in our toolbox, you know, I have different um, vibrators and things to show women and also help women feel more comfortable um, on what might be appropriate for them. Um, you know, women who have trouble sometimes getting revved up or starting or say that they've had some discomfort or pelvic pain or, you know, dryness, you know, 
Desire is one thing. Desire is take me now. And then there's libido, which is different. Libido is your engorgement, is the lubrication, is the turn on of the actual function of your body. And what I find is, is that having women find a vibrator that's really gentle and that they could control um, the levels actually really helps them rev up and actually kind of, you know, the partner usually really likes it and it gets them to a point where now their libido is turned on. Now they have that clitoral engorgement and the lubrication is there and they're really able to move forth with, you know, um, with having intercourse and, you know, intercourse is a part of intimacy, right? So sometimes the foreplay and the revving up is the most important part for, for couples, right? Because that's the, let's get it going, get excited, jumping around or doing whatever that, you know, whatever they're doing um, is the part that creates that emotional connection, that intimacy, that, you know, the excitement for even next time, like, oh my gosh, do you remember last night when we did this and this? This is so exciting. When can we do it again? You know, so I think that, you know, using things like vibrators and, you know, some of uh, there's endless things that we can talk about of using, but a good vibrator that's sensitive and easy to start with. And, you know, you'll find kind of everyone's anatomy is a little different. There's a lot of different vibrators out there. There's clitoral stimulators. There's all kinds of different things. Um, but you know, I, I definitely think it really helps um, rev up and really helps with intimacy for sure. Yeah. Now I have a question. What about testosterone? Because I knew somebody in her 40s who was having waning desire, interest in sex. And so she ended up using testosterone. And so, she said it was great. You know what? What we don't realize is that we have we have, you know, we, as women, we always talk about our estrogen. We talk about estrogen uh, up and down. But what we don't realize is that we also have uh, testosterone in our body. And um, testosterone um, is the, like the strength hormone in our body. But, you know, I have women that says, okay, I'm having sexual interest is kind of decreased. I'm having difficult with memory. My skin is kind of saggy. My bones don't feel strong or I'm, you know, now you're more at risk for osteoporosis. That's all lack of testosterone. Those are things testosterone is important for. And I am treating women more and more with transdermal testosterone and sometimes vaginally, you know, around the clitoral body, around, you know, um, we can use it internally as well, but I'm really seeing that really maintaining a testosterone level um, to normal range for women, um, which varies for, for women dependent on their, um, you know, symptoms or whatnot. But, you know, um, treating testosterone is as important as treating estrogen in women. And that goes along with DHEA and progesterone. All of those hormones dance together. How do you how do you accurately measure levels of those hormones? Because I've kind of I think I've heard that they vary a lot, mm -hmm. even from hour to hour, day to day. I yeah. don't know if that's true, but I mean, do you measure before you start using it, or do you just sort of use it and see uh, what kind of results happen? So, 
the way that I test hormones is I do two different panels. I do a serum panel, which is your blood level, and it, it checks, I check everything from pituitary to thyroid to cardiovascular to insulin breakdown to vitamin, vitamin D is a big one. Um, and I look at um, all the main conductors in our blood. I don't do blood um, hormone levels because it is just telling me at that moment what's going on. So what I do is I check urine. I, I have patients do a 24 hour urine test. And what that test is, it not only tells me what's going in and what's going out, but it tells me how the metabolism of the hormone is going through the body. So it's giving me really detailed information on what's happening and what's not happening. And that urine test is showing me progesterone, estrogen breakdowns. It's showing me all the testosterone, uh, DHEA, cortisol. It's showing me um, all of the um, profile of those hormones, which are extremely accurate. So when I look at those levels, then I make a decision, a clinical decision on what is happening. You know, where are the gray zones? What's not working? What's left the building? Um, and we could go from there. What I also love about the 24-hour urine is we have three types of estrogen in our body, the big, bold, and beautiful, E1, E2, and E3. And there's a metabolite called the um, hydroxy-4, which is a breakdown of estrogens. And what it tells me is if you're if it's really elevated, like estrogen's not metabolizing very well, that it may tell us that you could be more at a risk, quote unquote, for breast cancer or prostate cancer for men. So it gives me a lot of information um, on the breakdown and where the, you know, where the deficits or excess amounts um, of hormones in the body and what they're doing. Hmm. Okay, gosh, I had no idea. Well, yeah. is there anything else that you want to tell us that we need to know or that our listeners would like to know? I think the most important thing is the quality of life. And if you're not feeling good, if you feel like you're going through a time where menopause is finally kicking in or sexual intimacy is not at its best it's definitely something to you know that i i would definitely love to see you for um if you're stopping things you love to do in your life then it's time for a change yeah all those things you know i think that sexual health is pretty low on the to-do list everybody's like really focused on getting exercise getting sleep nutrition um, it just seems like sexual health is kind of low and it's related to those other things, but it's not usually a priority. Mm -hmm. Do you have any good suggestions on how to kind of get that to be more top of date mind? night, date night. So friends of mine, and they've, they've been married for coming up on 30 years. She's like, it's date night, Saturday night, no matter what. And that's what they, they tell everybody. It's not even a secret. You That's know, what? I absolutely agree with you, Danielle. It's actually kind of slowing down and taking a moment to look at your partner mm -hmm. and to kind of refocus and, and, and enjoy, enjoy their, 
their your time together because that also drives intimacy and drives your relationship. Um, I have a lot of patients who, you know, they're they're going different ways all the time and they don't set time to be together. So yes, uh, sex is not is not a priority and it's kind of an effort, right? But once you start having date nights and you reconnect with your partner, I think that that is one of the most important pieces to start with for sure. That totally makes sense. Because the more you do it, the more you do it, right? Or I should say the more you do it, the more you want it probably. And making someone else feel special. I think that's so important. Sometimes we just mm -hmm. take each other for granted, but when we, like you just said, Rachel, sit down and look into someone's eyes. And then mm -hmm. you could even like make a practice of telling that person like three things you really love about them. Something. Oh my, right. We just need mm -hmm. to take time. It is. I yeah. think you're right. Slowing down, which is really hard and looking up from our phones. Absolutely. Because our iPhones are, you know, they're very addictive and at least in the moment, perhaps more exciting than our spouse. Right. It's true. I mean, we've all been, trained to be addicted to our phones and text messaging and Facebook. So there's a lot of competition yeah. for just hanging out together, turning the TV off. Mm -hmm. And also individually, you know, you need to, you need to find intimacy within yourself and you have to have that confidence and that, you know, emotional well-being to really also be able to, share that with someone else too, you know? So I think it's important taking care of yourself is also taking care of others, right? Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Really, I, that's great advice. Okay, Rachel, well, listen, thank you for joining us. Thanks for your time. Um, we're gonna be able to put up on our Facebook page, we'll put up your website, and tell us how we could obtain Pure Vitality cream. Mm. So Pure Vitality is um, on the market. You can actually go to the website that's um, www.purevitalityinc.com. And I can okay. give you that website too to post so people have some opportunity to look at the website and also order online. That's great. And you know, we don't really have any advertisers yet, but we can discuss offline. <laughs> <laughs> Having an, an ad on our podcast, I think that would be super fun. Yeah, That'd be, be fun. Yeah. Especially for, uh, you know, vaginal lubricant. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> like that's it. you can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, thanks again. Great to see you. Pleasure to meet you. Great to meet you guys. And um, it's been an honor talking with you ladies. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.